0: Is Truth Talks. Welcome back, everyone, to the Truth Talks podcast. I'm your host, Buddy Boone. With me today is the chef, well, the waiter at the T-Bones and Taters Bible Church in Bowie, Maryland. He doesn't cook it; he just serves it. Pastor Matt White, how you doing today, sir? Man, with an intro like that,
1: I don't know how to respond. I am, I am, uh, I think humbled by that. I think so. <laughs> Praise the Lord, brother. It's good to be a slave of Christ. There he, you go. He doesn't
0: cook it; he just serves. Me. There
1: you go. Yeah, you don't want me to cook it, <laughs> <laughs> especially when we're talking about the Word. It's already been cooked. The master chef has made the meal. We just oh, deliver
0: it. Oh so. yeah, definitely. And uh, this is. Uh, we were sitting here discussing the the setup that we have here in the studio. <laughs> we uh, have some. We, we're going to make a few changes to everything. Um, it's going to be very interesting once everything gets in place but truth talks work day. Yeah, we need a truth talks work day definitely <laughs> because I got cords everywhere. I, it's just it's just it's just Covid
1: Covid's been hard on truth talks.
0: Oh man, has it. Has it. It it has been really difficult. I will say though, I will say that Covid has has taught us. God has 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 allowed us to go through the the episode I would say of COVID because it's you know it's you know I, I told you I think in sitcoms it's just it's just an episode Listen. this is one episode and the episode of COVID has taught us a lot of lessons and I feel like this is like an after school special right now of, of of lessons.
1: COVID is cleansing the Truth Talks podcast.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah, it is is showing us a lot of uh, showing me. I don't I, I won't speak for you, but it's shown me a lot of stuff and I've learned. I mean, a lot uh, through it and uh, <laughs> adding to that the debacle of uh, <laughs> CRT and oh, Black wow. Lives Matter last year and yeah. all of those types of things. And then relearning everything a few weeks ago through the uh, classes uh, after service. So, yeah, it's I'm, I'm getting learnt. <laughs> That's what's happening right now. It's West Virginia style. Yep. So <laughs> we, uh, we were at uh, G3 before – well, <laughs> I released it while I was at G3 that Saturday morning because uh, I, I completely forgot. But I just want to kind of get your thoughts, uh, Matt, on what you thought of it, and uh, mm. you know, if you, you know, like what you thought of it, Like, what did you think of the uh, conference?
1: Yeah, so uh, I guess a number of things. One, to l- I think, uh, might not be accurate on this, but I think it was 16 <laughs> sermons in a row Uh, to listen to 16 sermons uh, basically on the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't, you know, 16 good sermons, not just 16 sermons, Mm -hmm. but 16 sermons, you know, preached and delivered by, you know, different men of God. I mean, how could you not like that? You know, when it's all focused on Christ, when it's all Christ-centered, Christ-saturated, Christ-exalting, there's nothing bad about that, and there's nothing bad that can come from that. Mm -hmm. And so I was obviously... As a uh, pastor, preacher, shepherd, was very encouraged by that, just to constantly be focused and driven to Christ on multiple levels. So I was thankful for that, encouraged by that. Thought some, some sermons were more interesting and nuanced than others, and uh, thought that was interesting. But that's conference conferences are always uh, interesting for me as a pastor mm-hmm. and uh, obviously it was a big conference i guess what 6000 people 6400 i think yeah said. yeah and so uh uh the thing the thing for me at conferences is it comes down to two things the singing and the preaching mm-hmm. right and the singing obviously was it's always encouraging to hear that many voices lifting lifting uh, in unison to christ and to the lord and i always find that i never get over that and yeah. i've been i guess my first conference i went to was in a big conference was in 1995 so you figure out how many years that what conference a, was that that was actually a conference at moody bible institute mm-hmm. so that would have been i don't know how many people but that was thousands and thousands of people it mm-hmm. was big and that was the first time I met John MacArthur. Actually, really, he, he was he was preaching at that conference, and so
0: who put the did the the institute put that on? Yeah, yeah, it was okay. a
1: big deal back in the '90s. Moody put a conference on every mm-hmm. year in the middle of the summer, and mm-hmm. it was a pastors' conference. It was for a week, and we drove out there for a week. That was that was the first time. Oh, wait,
0: a week long? Yeah, a week
1: long. Whew. And you stayed at the at Moody Bible Institute, so you stayed in Chicago right, in the dorms, Hmm. and you stayed there, and then went to the conference Mm -hmm. all day, all night, you know, it was, it was, it was was pretty intense at that, at that time, Hmm. Um, and then, of course, you got to go out to eat to Chicago, and walk around, and Mm -hmm. so, all of that, but I went with my pastor then, and that kind of started, shall I say, it kind of started for me the, uh, the thought of ministry, like I was serving alongside my pastor, and at a church plant, about thirty people, and and uh, was beginning to consider ministry for the first time. I wasn't telling anybody that, but in my mind, it was coming up. And then at that conference, it was like there was just a fire that started. It wasn't a f- it wasn't a furnace yet, but it was like a spark. was a flicker. It was a flicker that started in my heart, and uh, and it and it just grew from there. Obviously, it would be. Oh, I guess that would have been 11 years later when I sold our house and and we went to Bible College and started the whole journey. So, mm-hmm. but that's when it started and uh yeah, and I've never forgotten that. Never I could still see the moment and yeah, yeah, it was interesting. But and it's interesting was because I still remember that uh that conference and John MacArthur was the best preacher at the conference wow. by far, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, and I stood in line and went up and shook his hand and he signed my Bible. And I mean, how, how how ironic that, you know, then I would eventually go to seminary there, go on staff there and actually, you know, right talk with him so it's just interesting how sometimes I think God in heaven just laughs and he's like yeah you have Mm. no idea what's coming you know and so uh, but that's the that's the joy of the sovereign providence of God and how it works in our lives we have no clue Mm -hmm. of all the good that he has planned even amidst the bad things the things we think are bad Mm. the difficulties the trials and tribulations and we just need to trust him so yeah so the conference obviously singing always a blessing you know christ centered songs solid songs in that sense um
0: you know the the guy playing guitar he actually passes a church here in maryland yeah, yeah yeah i didn't know that until i talked to the drummer talked yeah. to the drummer for a little bit but yeah uh, it was it was the the i think that the singing was um it didn't. I didn't feel like, man, we shouldn't be singing this song. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know about this one. Like, everyone yeah. was something that we would sing here. Yeah, at, at uh, Belcroft. Yeah, we sing a lot. But also, like, just really, really encouraging because it's like, you know, that's you know, I, I I hear those songs and I I start to mm-hmm. like just randomly start humming them and mm-hmm. it's like, oh well, now I need to think through the theology of that, you know, stuff like that. So. Yeah,
1: singing's always one of the highlights for me in all these conferences and. Mm-hmm. And obviously, the preaching is is primary and important for me, even personally. Um, so yeah, it was encouraging. Mm-hmm. the The thing for me at these conferences is always the men I go with. Like for me as a shepherd, I'm never I never stop shepherding. So I always, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word, use these conferences to shepherd the men. And mm-hmm. so to be able to take such a good group of our men to that, con- I was planning on taking three because there are three guys I'm training for eldership. That was part of their elder training. Mm -hmm. And that three, I think, grew to, I don't know, 12, 15 guys. And Mm -hmm. to be able to spend that time with them after the conferences, before the conferences, reworking the the theology and the doctrine Mm -hmm. and the truth that was taught. And, I mean, we spent hours, you know, Q&As and going through. and Mm -hmm. I mean, that's priceless. You can't. I missed all of that. Yeah, you, you can't. I missed all of that. Yeah, you can't put a. Yeah, well, because you had your you had your bride with you, so you didn't need it. You you, you well, were enjoying time with your bride. Here's here's the which thing, which is good, which here's, is a good thing,
0: A great thing. Here's the interesting thing: I didn't know that you were going until we started talking about it. Yeah, but I was I wanted to, I, I was like, okay, we gotta go because I'm sitting here talking to all of these friends on Twitter, and <laughs> as I'm talking to all these friends, they're like, yeah, I'm going to G three, going through, and then I look at the the lineup of preachers, I'm like. Yeah, I got to go. So then we get there and I start meeting all of these like people that I see on Twitter. And I'm like, I really like you guys. Like you all are literally almost a carbon copy of my church family at home. Mm -hmm. Like I can I can hang out with you all. Like we can talk about theology. It's not a, a useless conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had friends in the past where it's just useless conversations. Like we, we're sitting there literally not talking about anything. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, how's your family? Oh, how's this? But we're sitting there talking about like Christ and, you know, going off of, well, did you hear what that pastor said about this? What'd you think of this? And it's like fruitful conversations like I'm like, I was full Mm -hmm. leaving there. It wasn't like I was just, man, I like every single penny that I spent, even the late registration pennies that I spent, which I will never do again. Hmm. (laughs) It was well worth it. It was it was it was so enriching. Like Mm -hmm. it was it was great. And um, one of the people that I met, uh, uh, Eki, Mm. Uh, from California, uh, him and his lovely bride, Alice uh, Beverly just fell in love with Alice and they were like peas and carrots the whole time. You know, well, I got to go. I got to go see Alice. I got to go be, hang out with Alice. And I'm like, great. You be- know,
1: best nursery workers in the world. <laughs> trust me.
0: Oh, them, too. Or yeah. are you talking about that Alice you, and Beverly? You and Alice. Yeah.
1: That, you, trust me. Yeah, they were phenomenal. Good. Yeah, and, I, the, and I never had any worries with Eki and
0: Alec. Oh man, and they were just sweet people, and and just hanging out with them, uh, uh, Nathaniel, uh, Jolly, just hanging out with him all the way from Alaska. He's like, "Hey man, come come hang out with me in Alaska." I'm like, "Yeah, dude, why not?" Like, of course. And you know, we, me and Beverly actually talking about that. It's like, yeah, hey, just go up there and just be an encouragement to them. They're planting the church, and mm-hmm. you know, just going and 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 just like, hey other people, you know, that will, will, will pour into us. I'm like, what can we bring to you? Like, we'll bring a whole suitcase of stuff, of stuff that you need that you can only get, you can't get it in Alaska. Like (laughs) he was talking about, he's like, man, it's like, we were at the, uh, you know, at the, uh, the, the, the bar, you know, the salad, not the salad bar, but the, you know, the food, you know, court or whatever. And he's like, like, I miss pizza. Like we don't have Papa John's in Alaska. And I'm like, God bless you, man. Like, I can't believe that you don't have pop. Like, how could you live your life without pizza, you know? He's like, it's some local guys, but, like, just a chain. And I'm like, man, I want to send that guy some pizza somehow. You know, freeze-dried or whatever it is. But it's like, just to be an encouragement to them, you know, it, I think it would be awesome. So, but, you know, and, and a myriad of people. You know, I was able to meet, you know, Phil Johnson. Uh, I met uh, Daryl Harrison. And, you know, I mean, just... Just, just to be encouraged by and and to see uh, those folks. I mean, it was it was uh, an amazing time. So, yeah. So yeah. Next time, I don't know. I, I, Lucy wants to go now. There you go. Lucy's like they had a youth thing and you didn't take me. There. Okay, I got to take you. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, Praise the Lord. It'll be the full a full a full car going down next time. So
1: that's a that's a good family trip right there. Yeah,
0: that'd be great. So, well, uh speaking of that, um, our church, and, and you just mentioned that our church has been growing by leaps and bounds. Um, and, and the reason why I think that it is, uh, has been growing is not because of your, uh, amazing preaching, but yeah. just because of nothing to do with God has just been, kind. Uh, just kind to us in Amen. that regard and just, you know, allowing us to, uh, to, to just grow. And, There's one thing that I do want to kind of bring out in this podcast is just a few questions from Mark Yep. that I wanted to kind of go through with you. Yep. Um, It it seems like things are getting kind of, I'd say, tense. Intense, yeah. Yeah, with the disciples. Yep. Um, You know, one, the the sermon that you preached last week or this Sunday, Mm -hmm. uh, which was the 10th. Um, it was, you know, about the Sons of Thunder uh, being uh, <laughs> wanting to uh, uh, put themselves above everyone else. Yeah. And
1: the Sons of Thunder putting themselves above the author of Thunder.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> think so, about the lunacy of that. Yeah. So I think I guess I'm going to work backwards then. because yeah. That's what's most freshest on my mind. Here, here, here are the questions. uh that I that I that I have for you. Some of these questions are rhetorical, so don't, you know, send me twelve emails like like Matt would say. (laughs) So one thing that I a question that I had, you mentioned that they gave up everything to follow christ Mm -hmm. especially james and john you Mm -hmm. mentioned in the sermon Mm -hmm. that they left everything they left Mm -hmm. their father Mm -hmm. they left the nets sitting right there they Mm -hmm. just left Mm -hmm. and follow christ Mm -hmm. okay
1: yep mark 1 16 around Mm -hmm. yeah 20 run yeah yeah they were in the boat they left everything yep absolutely
0: now because they gave up all of that yeah wouldn't they as the, that type of servant, and I'm using this word, like I said, some of these are rhetorical questions, but I want to bring to light a few things. Yep. Wouldn't they deserve some type of uh, status or reward for the amount of leaving behind? The like sacrifice. The, 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 it's a huge sacrifice. Yeah. A couple things. One, so
1: when I say they left everything, I mean, I'm just quoting exactly what they said, Mm -hmm. right, Um, in verse 28 of chapter 10, where Peter says, hey, we've left everything Mm -hmm. and followed you, Mm -hmm. right? And obviously, Christ never corrects them. He never rebukes them. Mm -hmm. He just says, yeah, anybody that's left anything to follow me, right? And then Christ goes on to explain mother, brother, father, sister, houses, property, home, you know, you're going to receive, you know, uh, in this life a hundredfold, Mm -hmm. right? And then eternal life, obviously, the greater ultimate reward in the life to come. So, um, yeah, that leaving everything, though, didn't mean that they didn't have continual contact with Zebedee, right? Mm -hmm. Because you see that throughout Mark and obviously the other gospel accounts, you'll see them, they're in a boat. Where did that boat come from? They have a boat. Well, obviously they were still in connection and they were traveling back and forth. Mm-hmm. And they were staying in Peter's home some and then moving on. And so it wasn't like they, uh, they said, see you, Dad. And then they just started walking and they never saw him again, right? Mm-hmm. They're traveling with Jesus and they're filtering back through. And so, you know, I just want to make sure that people have the right image in their mind in that historical context of what that was. But what they... What they did when they left everything was Christ now is the priority. Following the Messiah, mm-hmm. learning from Him, mm-hmm. this is what we're going to do, and uh, and so obviously that's what they did, not fully understanding, not at all, not until after the resurrection, even what that meant in the in its entirety by way of of the true ultimate gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. There were. This is real time. When you're reading the Gospels, you're in real time when their progressive revelation is unfolding before them through the ministry of Christ and obviously through their uh, understanding and lack thereof, even multiple times in the text, it says that that they were prohibited from fully understanding, that hmm. that God in his sovereignty was even holding back understanding because they couldn't understand until he was resurrected, right? Hmm. And that's where some of that, some of the... Um, shall we say, denseness of the disciples where you're just like, man, these guys aren't getting it. Mm-hmm. Well, some of it they couldn't get, right? Well, we
0: say that because we have the full story. Yes, they we're didn't. looking back. Right. That's
1: what I remind, you know, on mm-hmm. Sunday morning, I'll remind you guys of that often. You got to be careful that you don't come down too hard Cause it would be like somebody walking with you when you're like living life and you're in the midst of mm-hmm. making a decision while the tow truck driver is there. And everybody's like, why would you do that? You mm-hmm. know, because, well, that's kind of what it is when we're reading the gospels. Cause we're looking back on it. We know the end, mm-hmm. but in that moment, they're just, they're, they're confused about so much of this in large part because of their pride and, and all of that. But, um, so they did leave everything behind. Now you bring up the interesting question about how much they left behind Versus how much reward they would receive. Well, if you're going to follow Christ, you're going to leave everything behind. So, in one sense, everybody leaves everything behind. Imperfectly, we understand that, but we do, right? There is no holding on to anything in following Christ. Mm-hmm. If you're holding on, meaning I'll give this much to Christ, but I'll hold on to this, mm-hmm. Christ only takes everything or he takes nothing, mm-hmm. right? Now, that being what it is and that's what Jesus means when he says you must deny yourself completely take up your cross completely and follow me completely i mean that's that's what he's meaning when he says the gospel call is to die to yourself you can't you can't like partially die right mm-hmm. he doesn't say cut off your arm but you can keep your other arm mm-hmm. right so you got to deny yourself take up your cross and follow christ that's a wholesale complete abandonment of self of self-dreams of self-promotion of self-protection it's all christ so that's the call of the gospel and that's it so everybody does that now again all that being what i just said fully true we also understand in our humanity and our imperfection as unglorified saints who gives up everything right there's so much in our sanctification that the lord reveals to us that we're still holding on to and And learning to die to daily, and I think that's in part why Luke chapter 9 talks about taking up the cross daily, right? Because it's a constant reminder of dying to self, Mm -hmm. not just a one-time act, but a continual reality that we're constantly fighting with our flesh, constantly doing battle with the world, and obviously constantly... Uh, blocking and tackling with Satan as we deal with the flesh and all of these temptations and, and having to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily. And so there's a constant reality of that. So um, I think that just needs to be clear. Mm-hmm. So there is a sense in which everybody who's going to follow Christ gives up everything. Mm-hmm. So there's an equilibrium there, right? Uh, it, the old theologians w- would say the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Mm-hmm. Everyone stands the same, mm-hmm. right? So there is this reality. Jesus said it, right? There's one door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the strive to enter the narrow gate, mm-hmm. right? There isn't like one road for the elite, one road for the partial committed, mm-hmm. and one road for the fully committed. No, there's only one road. Mm-hmm. There's only one way. And there's only one cost. It's everything. It cost you everything. So in that sense, everybody does the same thing. Just like everybody trusts the same Lord, everybody has the same faith, the same uh, same faith, meaning it's faith alone, right? Everybody has the same repentance, meaning it's complete abandonment of self. So, um, So there is no levels in that, right? Now, when it comes to our service to the Lord, right, not our gospel commitment and our entrance into the presence of Christ, meaning being united with Christ, because that's what salvation is— you know, then there is a reality of service to the Lord where there are levels of commitment, right, mm-hmm. in the sense of there are levels of ministry and there are levels of, of what we offer to the Lord in our ministry to Him, and the Bible makes that clear, right? And it says all of our works, all of our deeds, all of our ministry will be ultimately judged by Christ. Mm-hmm. And the wood, the hay, and the stubble, right, will be burned up by his burning glaze of perfection and holiness, and what, the precious stones, the gold, ruby, and precious stones, those diamonds, those true, sacrificial, selfless service to the Lord that we offer when we're serving another, serving whoever, evangelizing, or whatever sermons we're preaching, or whatever it is we're doing to the Lord, those remain, and those will be rewarded, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so in that sense, there will be levels of reward, in the, what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. There will be levels in that, and that's why there'll be levels, uh, just as there's levels in hell, and there is, um, to whom much was given and much was rejected, there will be much heat in hell for those individuals, and it won't be the same for every. everyone. Everyone will be, will be under the wrath and torment of God, but some will have greater wrath and torment, and I don't fully understand even how that, equals out right i don't fully understand how that can be but the lord himself declared that multiple times when he said it would be greater judgment for sodom and gomorrah oh excuse me there will be greater judgment for for for, well he said there'll be greater judgment for Bethsaida and Chorazan, the cities that he did his miracles in Mm -hmm. then sodom and gomorrah right and a large part what that what that's talking about is revelation Sodom and Gomorrah did not have the extent of revelation, right? <laughs> right. That mm-hmm. Bethsaida and Korazan did. They saw Christ. They mm-hmm. they they had him in his in their midst, and they rejected him. Mm-hmm. Sodom and Gomorrah didn't have that, and that's the point, right? And so they're going to have a greater judgment, and that's those levels. Well, so it is obviously with the judgment seat of Christ for believers. The Bible's clear there will be levels of reward, and uh, and so in getting back to what you were asking. You know God does everything justly and rightly, and so there will be. But I do want to go to the parallel account to Mark ten because mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that you brought this up. <laughs> this was the first thing I thought of when you were asking this question, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to not say what I what I just said because I felt like that needed to be said. So in Mark chapter twenty is the parallel account. Matthew, yeah, Matthew. Excuse me, Matthew nineteen, and then right after this same story in Mark that we've been. That we've been learning about. So if you read the end of Matthew chapter 19, it says, And everyone who has left houses, brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers, children, lands for my sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, 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 first. All right. So that's the end of Mark. Now, what Matthew has, Mark doesn't have. And obviously, different purposes for writing. And so they bring in different aspects to fulfill their purpose. So then. Jesus goes on and he tells this parable of the laborers in the vineyard, which is similar to the question you're asking. And you know what's interesting about this parable? He starts hiring. It's a parable telling a story about this this vineyard owner. Mm -hmm. He goes out into the highways and byways, and he's hiring laborers. Mm -hmm. I always thought it was interesting because when I lived in California, it's not like that around here. But in California, it always amazed me at how many guys stand on the road literally waiting to be hired by people. Like literally, they're just they're out in front of their Lowe's, Home Depot, paint yeah. shop. They're just standing there. Most of them, you know, uh, uh, foreigners. Mm-hmm. And then construction trucks will pull up, and they'll talk, they'll haggle, and then they'll jump in the truck, and they'll they got
0: their job for the day. You said you don't see them as much here. You saw them more there. Yeah, I, I, they're, hardly, they're here, but yeah, not, I, probably not as much there. Yeah, I hardly
1: ever see them here. Mm-hmm. There, you see them everywhere. Mm-hmm. They're just everywhere. And so I often think of this parable. When I see that, because that's kind of what it's picturing. Mm -hmm. So the the vineyard owner goes out and he's he's meeting these laborers and he says, hey, come work for me and I'll pay you a a, I forget what it is, a denarius, I think. And um, yeah, a denarius. And he says, you work for me for a day, I'll pay you a denarius. No problem. Love that. So they go and work. And then, you know, that's at eight in the morning. Then by lunchtime, he goes out, he gets some more workers and he says, hey, come work for me, I'll give you a denarius and they're great they come in and they work he goes out the last hour of the day gets more workers and says hey come work for me i'll give you a denarius mm-hmm. and then at the end of the day mm-hmm. it's quitting time everybody comes up to get their paycheck and he's he starts with the guys obviously who were the first to, or the last to come and says hey you worked faithfully for an hour here's your denarius goes to the next guy you work faithfully for four hours here's a denarius hey You work faithfully for eight hours. Here's a denarius. Mm. And the guy with eight hours is like, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. I worked more. I should get more. This Mm -hmm. isn't fair. And he's Mm -hmm. like, wait a minute. This was the deal we made, Mm. right? Am I being unfair to you because I'm giving you what I told you I would give you? Mm. You know, and it's like, so it goes to that question of saying, wait a minute. I did more work. And it's like, yeah, uh, the Lord, we deserve nothing from the Lord, Mm. right? So anything we give to the Lord is overwhelmingly beyond what we deserve mm-hmm. when it comes to reward and mm-hmm. so whatever it is will be good will be right and more than what we deserve but that being obviously what the labor parable obviously is is bringing out one of the implications the reality is there will be levels of reward that the lord himself will mitigate and deliver out and those will be good and right and true
0: well Yes, I completely agree. Now the flip side of that is nobody complains about uh, consequences of sin. <laughs> he did more sin. I did this little one. He should wait a minute. We we both you both deserve death. Yeah, like you you one hundred percent. You both have sin. You both deserve death. Yep. Nobody really wants to have the conversation of well, well, you you both like you said at the level at the foot of the cross and uh, you both deserve death because of that sin. It yes. could go the other way as well. So yes. and, and and
1: what's interesting even in that story of the parable of the labors, when we're talking about the gospel, right, when we're talking about entrance into the kingdom of God, there's only one entrance and it's through Christ. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with our works, right? Right. So so there is no there is no you you get salvation because you repented more or you were more broken or Mm -hmm. whatever that that's ludicrous and yet many people feel that right especially coming out of roman catholicism and Mm -hmm. all the man-centered works uh, hoops that you have to jump through but that's not how it works we only we are only right before god because of the works of christ right Mm -hmm. and those are given equally right to Mm -hmm. all who believe Mm who all who repent and believe so the issue is always moving ourselves out of the way So that Christ can be all in all Mm -hmm. because anything we do that is rewarded will only be only be because it was done by the uh, power of Christ for the glory of Christ. So even the works that are rewarded, he gets all the rewards. Mm -hmm. Right. And so even that has nothing to do with me. The gospel and my entrance into the kingdom has nothing to do with me and even my my rewards, whatever they may be whatever those are will ultimately have nothing to do with me because I do what I do and I am what I am by the grace of God. Mm -hmm. Apart from Christ, I can do nothing. So if I end up doing anything worthy of reward in the eyes of God, it will only be because of Christ in me, Mm -hmm. not I, but Christ through me. Mm -hmm. So where is my boasting? Paul says, if we boast, we boast in the Lord, Mm -hmm. right? So I have no, I have no means for complaining and I only have one means for boasting and it's Christ it's not me. Mm-hmm. So th- when you start to understand that and you grow in those uh, theological truths then it it begins to bring clarity to all of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Um <laughs> and then the whole idea of the, it definitely is rhetorical or nonsensical of yeah, well I sinned a little and you said no we're all we're all we're all rebels and far worse than we realize and mm-hmm. that's obviously pretty clear. And Romans 3 makes that obvious.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah. Anything else you want to add to that? Because I was gonna to jump to the next nope, question. Nope, go for it. Okay. So um <clears throat> what about the whole idea? And well, not just the idea, but if you look at John fourteen, mm. uh round I think round about verse fourteen, um he, you know, Jesus says that if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Mm. So yeah. with that being the case, why was it wrong for james and john to actually and john is the one that wrote that yeah so he is writing you know yeah if you ask anything in my name i will do it and he asked yep to be you know uh uh, glorified in in christ's left or right in the kingdom Mm -hmm. how do do you reconcile those two Mm
1: -hmm. i was just reading the Uh, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that. The father may be glorified in the son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So, and uh,
0: and greater works.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. This was,
0: this was one of those verses that in my old church, they would always bring up, you know, know, great. We're going to do greater works than Christ. You know, we will be doing, you know, Christ, Christ healed the sick. He raised people from the dead. We're going to be doing the same thing.
1: Yeah. So um, I think what you have to understand is when he's talking about what, when you, whatever you ask in my name, this, I will do, he's talking very clearly without question um, of his name being synonymous with his will, right? Hmm. So um, when he, you know, we, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Just like uh, Jesus prayed, right? Uh, you know, Father, hallowed be your, your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, mm-hmm. right? That's what he's saying there, right? Mm-hmm. That the name of God is, is, is directly tethered to the will of God, mm-hmm. right? His name is... So, in so many ways is synonymous with his will right it's his name that brings out the reality of his will his will is his name his name would that his name would be glorified his name would be honored and his will is the avenue by which you do that and so when you talk about in scripture even as we pray in the name of Christ that's what we're saying right we're we're bringing forth our prayers and we pray in the name of the of the Lord Jesus Christ it's by his name that we have access and it's by his name that we're we're asking these things in accordance with his name mm-hmm. meaning We only are praying this because he has made the way possible, and we're only praying this because this is how he taught us to pray, Mm -hmm. right? And so we're following the will of God, the will being the word of God, the ways of God, the wants of God. And so when he says, here, very clearly, if you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. Clearly, right, he's Mm -hmm. putting parameters on what you ask, Mm -hmm. right? So that right away from the very beginning you have to identify. He's not saying you can ask me anything. He says, you, if you ask me anything in my name, so, you, so what you have to discern is what does he mean in my name, hmm. right? What he's talking about in his name is his will, right? If you ask me anything in accordance with my name, if you ask me anything that, that connects with, that, that doesn't contradict, that is in accordance with what I'm here to do, mm. in accordance with who I am, in accordance with why i've come right that's what he's saying in my name well what has christ been saying from the very beginning i am here to do the will of the father i don't speak of myself i don't tell you what i want to tell i only tell you what the father has told me to tell you i don't even speak of my own accord i just speak his words it's all about honoring the father i'm not here to praise my name i'm here to praise the father it's all about glory to the father And it's all about that, right? So even he goes on and he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. There's his name. There's his will. There's his desire, right? Hmm. It's it's tethered to the reality of his will. So if you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. If you ask me anything in accordance with what my name means and who I am and why I've come and what I'm wanting to do, desiring to do and will do, obviously I'm going to do it. That's the point. If you... And and here, let me summarize this very clearly. If you pray in according to my plan, it will be done. Mm -hmm. That's the guarantee. That's the power of prayer. Mm -hmm. It isn't what I say. It's what God has already said. And if I line my words with God's word, it always works. Mm -hmm. God's word, Jesus said, right? Very clearly not one jot or tittle that's literally hebrew speak for the slash and the dot in the hebrew between between the consonants because there's no vowels right the Mm -hmm. little slashes at the top little dots at the bottom he's like none of those will be will fall away every single one of them will be fulfilled his word will as jeremiah said will never return void it will accomplish all its work Mm -hmm. and that's what jesus is saying if you pray in accordance with my name, my will, which is ultimately what? The Father's will, which is ultimately what? The Word of God. If you pray in accordance with that, it will be done. Hmm. Well, the last time I checked, you know, praying for this and praying for that and naming it and claiming it, not at all. That's that's not in the that's not in the scriptures, right? And that's not what this is saying. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you an I'll give you a prime example of this, all right? Who who not only taught us how to pray? But who on the face of the planet knows perfectly how to pray? Jesus. Jesus. So how many times did we watch him pray? And there's multiple times. And every time he prays, what does he always pray? Your will Mm -hmm. be done. Mm -hmm. Every time you watch him, ultimately you see him teach the disciples how to pray. What does he say? Your will be done Mm -hmm. on earth as it is in heaven Mm -hmm. notice not your will on earth be different name it and claim it cadillacs and fine suits right Mm -hmm. you know no i he's praying father i want the same reality in heaven on earth i'm praying for your will to be done across the cosmos it's all about your will take that all the way to the garden what does he pray i mean there's the there's one of the clearest passages of uh, that totally obliterates uh, word of faith, theology. Jesus had every opportunity, right, to what? Name it and claim it. Mm-hmm. Turn it around. Demand that it stop. Demand that the cross change. Mm-hmm. Demand that, it, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And what does he say? He doesn't, obviously, in his humanity, he's like, Father, is there another way? Mm-hmm. Is there another way for the atonement for the for the for the propitiation that you have sent me to provide? Is there another way we can do this, right? Mm-hmm. There mm-hmm. he's pr- he's praying in his humanity and in his honesty. And yet, what does he do? He prays in the name of the Father, which is what? Not my will, but yours be done. Mm. And guess what? His prayer was answered. Mm. The Father's will was done. Why? Because mm-hmm. he prayed in accordance to what Psalm 22 said would happen. Mm-hmm. He prayed in accordance to what Isaiah 53 said would happen. Mm-hmm. He prayed in accordance with, with what Genesis 3.15 said would happen. He prayed in accordance with God's word. And guess what? That is exactly what happened. Because God's word is always works. God's mm-hmm. word will never stop working. And that's what we must learn to pray in accordance with. We must pray in accordance with the name of Christ, which is the will of Christ, which is always the will of the Father. And that's what it's about. Softball pitch for you here. What is the will of the Father? The will of the Father is always the glory of uh, of, of God, but mm-hmm. it's always most clearly seen in the Word of God. Mm-hmm. So there's the revealed will. Here you go. This is a softball pitch that you weren't planning me hitting <laughs> in this direction, but you're going to get it, right? <laughs> so the will of the Father is actually twofold. And, uh, and this obviously gets does not get spoken enough and people are confused and you have the center of god's will and you have all these phrases that you don't see in the bible but the will of god is twofold and it's and it's not as it's not as complex as people think there is the revealed will of god that's what we have in scripture Mm -hmm. and that's what we that's what we follow because that's what we can know Mm -hmm. that's why the bible is clear we cannot fully know god Mm -hmm. we can know him right fully as he's revealed himself but mm-hmm. we will never know him fully because he's not fully revealed himself mm-hmm. right deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine declares emphatically mm-hmm. the things god has revealed are for us and our children but the things he has not revealed are for who for him mm. they are the secret things mm-hmm. that's the sovereign will of god we don't know the sovereign will of god i don't know what god is doing in the sovereign will But I do know what God is doing in the revealed will. Mm -hmm. We can often see his sovereign will mitigated and and providentially provided within the revealed will Mm -hmm. in Scripture, right? As we look back and we read Acts 4 and Acts 2, we can see the sovereign will of God in delivering over the Son, right? We can see that when we look backwards. Even the apostles could. They couldn't see it in the moment. Right. Mm -hmm. And now they had the revealed will that they should have been able to follow better. But they were confused. Right. Mm -hmm. The revealed will about the Messiah suffering and dying. That was really was pretty clear. Right. But what we look what we look back as New Testament Christians looking back, we can see the revealed will in the Old Testament, Psalm 22, Isaiah 53, all those Old Testament passages. Mm -hmm. But then we can also see it in the sovereign will as we watch Scripture unfold. And you literally watch the hand of God literally push the Son of God to the cross, right? Mm-hmm. That's the sovereign will unfolding. Well, that happens in our lives all the time. We have the revealed will of God, which we are commanded to follow Christ, trust Christ, submit to Christ. All these things which we have are non-negotiable, right? Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Mm-hmm. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Wife, submit to your husband in everything as unto the Lord, right? Right. Good, bad, ugly. This is what we're called to do. Mm -hmm. Yet that's the revealed will. That's what we follow. That's what we obey. But we also know his sovereign will is working amidst those difficult days. And we're wondering, man, this is hard. It's hard to do this, hard to do that. But I trust the revealed will. And then underneath it all is God's sovereign will that he's working that is what, working everything out for our good. Mm-hmm. Romans eight twenty eight, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's a sovereign will that's constantly being worked out while we are faithfully following his revealed will and they're going together like two parallel mm-hmm. train tracks and they're all going in the same direction, yet we're riding on the revealed will rail, mm-hmm. but his sovereign uh, will is, is there balancing it all out mm-hmm. and moving us forward constantly. That's how that works.
0: Mm-hmm. That's good stuff, right there. Yeah, there's
1: more to say about that, but that that a lot of us don't know enough about that, and that's encouraging, because that answers once you start to understand this in Scripture, and obviously, this comes up multiple times. Um, that answers a lot of questions when it comes to uh, let's just say the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man and how that all works, and it, it's really really helpful. And again, the Bible's not silent on these things. It's Obviously, pretty clear, and so you know you have these discussions about the will of God. It's not His will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And obviously, that's His revealed will, right? That mm-hmm. is His revealed will. It's the Scripture says that mm-hmm. we don't deny that, and we stand upon that. Yet at the same time, we know there's a sovereign will <laughs> that mm-hmm. He has already elected. Right. Mm -hmm. He has already chosen before the foundation of the world to save a certain amount of people a certain specific people Mm -hmm. from the four corners of the globe. But we don't know who those are. That hasn't been revealed. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we live our lives according to the revealed will. Right. And so you see how that helps balance so many of those things out that we often try. We get ourselves in trouble trying to relieve the tension of theology and scripture when that tension is often driven by the sovereign will of God not the revealed will and letting that tension lie and going yeah I can see this passage clearly speaking about the sovereign will of God and it's given us a little nuance to it but I can't fully understand that mm-hmm. I can't fully un- so you know what I don't worry about it I just I just follow the revealed will while I while I rejoice in the sovereign will mm-hmm. and that's what we do that's how we live our lives
0: You know, it's funny as I'm sitting here listening to you say all these things, I, I am, I'm I'm like, like struck by how much man tries to replace God and do the same exact thing. Totally. That 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 God does. So man, which he can never do, <laughs> can never do. So that naming and claiming thing, it's like I am controlling God. I yeah. am doing nope. or saying this. I'm doing this. Yeah. You know, because of the fact that I want this particular outcome. Yes. And your our, uh, our sovereign will is, is, you know, because of what God has revealed. Okay. We we want our sovereign will to, to go along the timeline versus his. We, we, I said it on Sunday. I'm, I'm confident in the
1: sermon. At some point I talked about the reality of the, the charismatic, I think I said, we're not charismatics and everybody's Mm -hmm. like, what, you know, I said, what does that mean? Mm. And I threw out that bomb and it's like, you know, the, the James and John were charismatic in the moment Mm -hmm. and they were charismatic and they were, they were following word of faith theology. I mean, very clearly in that Mm -hmm. passage. And what is that? They were, they were naming and claiming, they were, they were telling Christ, you do for us what we say. Mm -hmm. That was straight up word of faith theology. They are literally telling Christ, this is what you're going to do for us. You're going to give us the, 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 right and left side of the throne in, in the kingdom. I mean, they're naming and claiming it. Well, what did Jesus think of that? You have no idea what you're asking. You know, right? I mean? And so, yeah. what they were doing is the heartbeat of Word of Faith theology. Mm-hmm. They were seeking. They were seeking to change the sovereign will of God to their sovereign will. Mm-hmm. That's what charismatic theology always does. It always seeks to change the will of God to the mm-hmm. will of man. Mm-hmm. And 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 here's you asked the point about John 14 what ultimately is prayer all about? Prayer is not about changing the will of God. You can't change the will of God. Right. The will of God is sealed, set, signed, and delivered, mm-hmm. right? But what what happens in prayer ultimately, and there's a mysterious side to prayer. I'm not denying that, so don't send 12 emails. I'm not denying <laughs> that. that from the vantage point of man, it looks like as if God changes, and I don't deny that. Yet we know, right, that God's He has decreed every dust particle that falls. And so the point of prayer at the end of the day, at the end of the day, right, we plead with the Lord, and we do, for for God to save, for God to heal, for God to change, for, you know, change us and all these things. But at the end of the day, prayer is so much about aligning our will with God's will. Mm -hmm. That's why when we learn how to pray according to the word, we watch our prayers work like never before and when you study prayer in scripture Mm -hmm. this is what you see Mm -hmm. you see people that pray that pray god honoring prayers they are praying in accordance with scripture look at zachariah's prayer look at mary's prayer look at the lord's prayer look at paul's prayer look at daniel's prayer look at david's prayer you look at these prayers in scripture and if you follow them you will see every single one of them are praying scripture Mm-hmm. They're praying scripture. They're praying in accordance with scripture. They're quoting scripture, why they pray. They're lining their thoughts, their, their will up with God's word. And that honors God, that blesses God. And God answers that prayer because it's going in the same direction he's going. And so that's what it's all about. And obviously James and John weren't doing that. They were following the charismatic idea of, no, let's change God. Let's revert, re God. Let's bring him in our line and essentially Takes God's sovereign will, line it with our "quote unquote" sovereign will, and that never
0: works. So I've just decided I'm going to change the name of the Truth Talks podcast to this. You know how uh, you know uh, uh, reformers they when they write their books, the Puritans they have this you know like this short like name, but then they have a really really long name to go along to it. Yes, I do know that. So this is the Truth Talks podcast. With the deconstruction of the Black Liberation (laughs) Theology and the Word of Faith mesh merged together, because that's exactly what's happening. Because as you're talking, I'm like, oh my goodness! Like it's all of this. Like it's like uh, it's like these light bulbs are just going off. Because one of the things that I have not meant like not realized, but like this scripture uh, Isaiah 14, yeah. Um, I say a ver- uh, 14, read the whole chapter, but verse 14 says, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. That is exactly what James and John are doing. We do in our everyday lives because we want to put ourselves above Christ and not, you know, align ourselves. Like you're talking about align ourselves with his will. Because yep. somebody asked a question the other day and I was like, I know the answer to that. They say, if God is all knowing, why do we pray? Mm -hmm. We don't pray because God needs to hear our voice. We pray because we need to be aligned with with God and literally praying the words that Jesus prayed, not my will, but yours be done. So that's why for me, I'm like, man, this is just like, like. Like I don't want I don't like to use the word revelation because that that makes me feel charismatic in a way illumination illumination yeah so the process of illumination that was actually the name of a yeah name of a a uh, album by some guys back in the day but that is that is what is happening it's it's crazy to me so I, so, I just love it yeah well it, and
1: it's it is a good question right and again anytime you're dealing with God and the work of God the will of God the glory of God. You always are dealing with a with a with a sense of mystery and tension because again we we can't we can't know his sovereign will to the mm-hmm. de, to the nth degree we can't understand the workings of God so there's mystery there and I don't want to sound like there's not and so obviously there is and when we're talking about prayer there's tremendous mystery and yet the revealed will is clear mm-hmm. when we see see the prayers of scripture and we're watching them play out and there's myriads i mean the book of psalms right is so, so many of them obviously are prayers mm-hmm. and what you watch happen in those is, over and over again is prayer and there's different aspects of prayer there's praise there's petition there's intercession right there's um requests and we see that uh, multiple times in scripture where those different those different categories of prayer are even listed. So there are. There's different things we do in prayer and bring to the Lord in prayer. But all of them come back to this reality. Prayer at the end of the day is is really a special communion with, with God mm-hmm. as we communicate with him, not him speaking to us because he speaks to us through his word, but mm-hmm. us speaking to him. Right. And we're speaking his words back to him. Mm-hmm. But here's the problem. We're, we're struggling often in our faith and our walk and so in our communication with God, we're often verbalizing the struggle of our heart, right? We do that as, mm-hmm. we, as we bring to God our requests, our confessions, our petitions. We're just verbalizing what's going on in our heart. And we're, Lord, why, why is this happening? Lord, help me through this. I'm struggling. I don't have the strength. I mean, what are, what are we saying? We're, we're just telling God what he already knows. Mm. But in that process as we pray scripture right as we allow scripture to be our god we watch this unfold in scripture what happens what happens we begin to then turn from from uh shall i say sanctified sanctified frustration (laughs) like Mm -hmm. lord why is this and then we start to turn and say yeah but you are sovereign overall yeah and then you are working this out Mm -hmm. for my good and you'll bring glory and maybe you're bringing this into my life so that i can be a servant of someone else who's gonna suffer and oh by oh oh, father continue to do your work in me that you might burn away that's all that's not of Christ. what has happened in that prayer what is i'll tell you what's happened your will has now aligned with god's will Mm -hmm. while you honestly shared with with God your heart he already knows your heart so he's used the the means of grace of prayer to grow you in Christ likeness and that's the beauty of prayer mm. and that happens and you watch that happen throughout scripture and it's so glorious and it's so helpful and obviously you see that like we already said in the garden and with the Lord's prayer and with Paul's prayer I mean take the thorn in the flesh three times he Mm -hmm. requested that was a request and it was a good request Mm -hmm. we're told to bring our request to the Lord right Mm -hmm. and he did take the thorn take the thorn take the thorn well how does this prayer change the Lord reveals to him no I'm not taking the thorn because if I do you're going to be more prideful than you already are Mm -hmm. and what does he say in any praise Lord I'm going to praise you for my thorn Mm -hmm. when I am weak. And I'm sure what has happened, his mm-hmm. he's, he's his his will and God's will now has aligned. And so yeah, we see that and and of course we grow in that as our theology grows and uh the, the trials that the Lord brings in our lives grow and that grows our prayer, that grows our communion, that grows our fellowship, that grows our depth, and yeah,
0: praise the Lord. Yeah. Are we are we good on that question? You wanna add some more? I saw you flipping, so I don't wanna uh, I don't no, wanna I I got I don't want to quench it. We'll be like David Allen said at the G three conference. I'm done with that one. <laughs> <laughs> was it David? No, not David Allen. Wasn't David that? Miller. David Miller. Yeah, yeah. David Miller. i yes. See y'all spend yeah. ten years trying to figure out transitions. He, he said,
1: watch it. watch it. I'm done with that.
0: One. <laughs> I'm moving on. One of my favorite speakers at G three, <laughs> David Miller. Uh, uh, he surprises me. He uh, he he had a it was I. Okay so I don't know how to count the the points on the buck that's yeah. the, um, the, he yeah. has one hanging in his uh in his office that's a yeah. 6 point buck right
1: Yeah that's uh no that's actually a 9 point
0: but yeah A 9 point Yeah Oh because yeah. the little ones Yeah So David Miller I think I think it was on his uh uh, f- uh Twitter he yeah. uh, it looks he shot a 12 buck Oh wow, 12 a point, twelve-point buck, yeah. and I'm like, good grief! And you know, he has this chair. He has yep. uh, he's a quadriplegic, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, he has some type of degenerative de- 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 degenerative muscle disease. Okay. So, like after a while, his his some of his muscles don't work as well as they as Got they it. did. But somehow he goes hunting, and he yeah. he mounts it on his uh his on chair. his chair, yeah. and he has the big you know the off-roading wheels on his chair. Watch I, out! I'm like, man. So
1: Southern guys are good or done. Yeah. Watch out. Yep. Don't mess with us. Southerners.
0: (laughs) That dog definitely hunts. Yep. (laughs) Definitely. So, okay. So, uh, I I appreciate that. One of the things that I want to kind of touch on and I say touch, because I know uh, if I, if I let, if I turn you loose, you go, keep me on the leash, brother. (laughs) Don't turn me loose. It's dangerous when you turn me loose. Um, (laughs) one thing that struck me very very hard in that um in that uh sermon was the idea of suffering and the reason why is because uh one of the things that i wrote down is they did not understand that the crown of glory only comes through suffering and you had three words time truth and And trials trials. yep Yep. so kind of hit on that a little bit because
1: yeah so so um obviously right they're they're wanting the crown without the cup, and mm-hmm. Christ makes really clear you know look, you know if you're gonna get a crown of glory you're gonna have to you're gonna have to go through a cup of suffering and he and he says or the, they can't drink the cup of the full fury of God's wrath that Christ is gonna drink obviously and Christ says that you don't know what you're asking you can't you know can you can you drink the cup I'm gonna drink and they're like, yeah, we can drink it right and they don't know they don't they they're Blinded by their pride and and you know obviously in this point in their walk with Christ they just they're still confused about the kingdom they're confused on many levels and again part of that is because they're in the midst of it right um, but then Christ comes back and says well you're gonna drink a cup and in a sense of you're gonna drink a cup like I'm gonna drink in that it's gonna be a cup of suffering for them it's gonna be a cup of death in martyrdom right John it's interesting it's interesting and some of this I'm sure. I don't know if I brought out in this sermon or the sermon I preached years ago on James and John, because I did a whole sermon just on those, on the sons of thunder. But it's interesting when you think about what Jesus says about them uh, suffering, James is the first to die. John is the last. They bookend the mm. death of the apostles. Mm. You know, I think it's Acts 12 where James is the first one to die when mm-hmm. Herod kills him, and then Herod Fearing man sees how pleased it 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 was how pleasing it was to the Jews to kill James and that's when he arrests Peter and he's going to kill Peter next and then obviously Peter gets miraculously released and so uh, they tried to kill John and they couldn't do that so then they end up exiling him at the end um, so yeah so it's interesting they do they do uh, ultimately suffer ultimately die um, but suffering is the key they suffered greatly for the name of Christ as does every every believer and um so this this comes up in Romans 8 this comes up 2 Corinthians 4 Romans 8 Romans 5 James 1 this whole reality of suffering and trials right that's used by God to sanctify us to grow us and uh, Romans 8 says very clearly we will reign with Christ if we suffer with Christ mm. right and so that's a that's an avenue of 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 the gospel that most people don't consider but we need to consider because if we do it'll help us understand suffering a whole lot better now suffering in the context of scripture is often it's not it's not necessarily cancer and those kind of things it could be in the sense of depending what god is doing but it in the context of scripture it tends to be persecution in the name of christ right Mm -hmm. suffering born out because you're a follower of christ Mm -hmm. And uh, we often immediately in American context, we we, we put everything in the context of suffering. And uh, but uh, in Scripture, it's often that persecution, right? Trials and tribulations borne out because you're a follower of Christ Mm -hmm. and which could equal, you know, monetary suffering, emotional suffering, physical sufferings. But um, anyway, um, that reality in Philippians chapter one, the end of chapter one is really clear. Um, I think verse 28, 29, he said it has been granted, meaning sovereignly ordained, that you not only believe in the name of Christ, but that you suffer for his sake. Mm -hmm. Right. And and obviously, Paul is writing that from a jail cell. Mm -hmm. So he's showing them as they're concerned about what's going on with Paul's life in Philippians. He's saying, listen, what's happening to me is what God said would happen. I'm suffering and for the name of Christ. He talks about it in Colossians. He comes up in literally Thessalonians, every book. And so what Christ says to James and John is, a, is in many ways, port, is a portent of what's coming, right? Is, it's foreshadowing not only them specifically, but even in a, in a universal principle sense and an implication for all believers, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the, the call for all of us. And that reality is we will suffer. And it's through that suffering that we will grow to become like our Savior. And Romans 8 makes that very clear. 2 Corinthians 4 makes that very clear. Philippians 1 makes that very clear, and down the line it goes. So, yeah, we, you, you cannot have a crown of glory, meaning glorification, and the crown, the joyous crown that comes from that. You cannot have a crown of glory without a cup of suffering. Mm-hmm. And the cup meaning the cup of suffering in the, in the name of Christ. And obviously, Paul talks about that at the end of his life, that he's looking forward to his crown of glory, his mm-hmm. crown of righteousness, because... Obviously, he has fought the good fight. What does he mean by that? He's suffered. Mm-hmm. He's fought the good fight. He's suffered for the name of Christ. And now there's a waiting for him. What? A crown of glory. Mm-hmm. He's getting ready to die. He's going through the ultimate suffering. But the crown of glory is coming. And then he gives us that awesome promise when he says, not only for me, but for all. Here it is. Who loved his appearing. Mm-hmm. And so,
0: yeah. That's good stuff. I'm uh, reminded, too, of 2 Timothy 3 uh, 12. Yes. You know, indeed all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Uh, he said that, you know, in the middle of, you know, warning against all of these, you know, ungodly people and, uh, and, uh, then, you know, exhorting him with what the word of God is and, you know, what it's useful for. So, uh, it's, yeah. so
1: I brought out those three and there's more I have more to that little syllogism that I gave you but the, the, time, the, yeah, yeah. the time truth and trials is God's divine algorithm for sanctifying his mm-hmm. servants mm-hmm. right that's what that is when you study scripture you see that God he will you know uh, apart from an exceptional uh, moment like the thief on the cross which would be an exception but For the most part, God works very methodically and very consistently. Mm -hmm. And what does he use? Number one, time, right? Mm -hmm. Think Interesting. I'll show you this. This comes up everywhere. But Moses was 80 years old, 80, before he goes in to deliver the people from Egypt, right? Hmm. He was 40 when he gets kicked out of Egypt. Mm -hmm. He spends 40 years in the wilderness learning how to shepherd, right? So Mm -hmm. think about it. And God did the whole thing. He spent 40 years training Moses in Egypt, Mm -hmm. which is interesting when you think about Moses wrote the law, the Pentateuch, which Moses probably learned a lot of legal ease in Egypt, being trained and raised in the best schools in the. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. God was preparing his man in Egypt, but then he needed to bring him to what suffering the backside of a desert Mm -hmm. as a Bedouin to train him for 40 years before he ever brings them in in the last 40 years. So you have these 40 year segments of Moses' life. First 40 years in Egypt, second 40 years suffering in the wilderness, last 40 years delivering the people out. It's very mm-hmm. interesting. So what do you see there? Time, God always takes time to train. Mm-hmm. And then he always brings truth, right? Brings truth in and truth is what he was learning in the 40 years in the wilderness, the burning bush and all of that, right? And then he brings trials, what, what is that? Everything he's learned in those last 40 years mm-hmm. when he starts to deliver them out of Egypt. He had one trial after another trial. Pharaoh won't let him go. Moses is like, God, why did you send me in here? Now they've got to break bricks without, mm-hmm. without straw. And mm-hmm. God's like, just trust me. Just trust me. And what is he doing? He's taking everything Moses has taught him, and now he's he trials. He's fine-tuning the man. You've got the truth, Moses. You know who I am. You've seen it. Now trust me. And I'm going to teach you to trust me. How? How does God teach us to trust him? In trials. In mm-hmm. trials. Mm-hmm. He gives us the truth, which is the backbone of our trust. Mm-hmm. But then he provokes us to trust him. How? Through the sovereign provocation, provocation of trials. Mm-hmm. And and through that divine algorithm, God works to sanctify and strengthen every one of his faithful servants. Mm. That's, um, yeah. Yeah. That's now that, that that's me on the leash. Now, if you let me off the I, leash, I don't want you. If, if you let me off the leash, I can run a little further. But obviously, <laughs> we're running out of time, and I'm running out of leash. Yeah,
0: yeah. This is. Uh, I'm, I'm scared to go where I want to go. I mean, go. I'm
1: bird dogging now. But if you let me off, I really, I really, I really roll. I start flushing. Uh,
0: I'm I'm scared. I, I I got I got one last question. I, I, I'll do I'll do it this way, just so we can. Uh, you know, not be here all night because this is what it is. And and by the way, if you heard something that sounded like a vacuum uh, in our church, we got these new hand dryers and it's on the other side of this wall right here. So, yeah, it is, It is. They're extremely powerful uh, when you put your hands under there. Uh, you know it's it's a cleansing uh it's a it, cleansing one because it takes a, a little bit of flesh along with it the epidermis <laughs> yeah it's, that's what it is it takes your flesh the ends
1: of my phalanges are
0: are bleeding <laughs> it, it blows away sin that's what it does <laughs> off of your hands if that was only true <laughs> we, we'd be, be everywhere on this, we'd be on the not that easy yep so but um but this is the uh this is the the thing that I do want to uh, kind of talk about so. It's it's where's the line when it comes down to this? Because the whole idea, the whole uh, the whole uh, what you you know pull from the text would be um, just the idea of you know not promoting yourself, self promotion. You know that is not what God wants for us. And then um, one a couple of things that I wrote down: self ambition moves to self arrogance. Mm. Powerful people are in. Are, are they front themselves as the strongest people is another thing I wrote down. Mm-hmm. Pride distracts us from the glory of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, you, your second point was the prideful perspective, self-centered ignorance. Mm-hmm. Um, then we talked, you talked about the cup and, you know, mm-hmm. not having that, you know, having wanting the glory without the, uh, uh, the, the, that, but one thing that you uh, kind of brought to light and I want to kind of ask you about this, pride always denies, distracts, distorts, deceives, mm-hmm. divides, disillusions mm-hmm. and then um pride distracted uh from the power the beauty the sovereignty and the humility of Christ. Yes. So really my question goes along the lines of how is it that if we are completely, you know, um supposed to be looking at Christ, mm-hmm. there is this <laughs> I'd say uh this 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 sickness, this this worm Mm -hmm. of Mm self-care that has been kind of is really permeating Mm -hmm. uh you know uh, the churches uh, permeating all aspects of our lives and that is one thing that uh you know if you look in a lot of places they always talk about self-care you know you need to take care of yourself you need Mm -hmm. to make sure that you you know are, are 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 making sure that you know somebody's looking out for you and nobody's gonna look out for you so you need to look out for yourself yeah when it comes down to self-care, uh, <laughs> kind of give me the uh, the 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 reasons why it would be wrong, how it would be prideful, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, kind of speak to that and like I said, that worm because it yeah. comes in in ways that we just don't see it a lot of times, and yeah. that is and, and I'm coming from the aspect of that pride how yep. it distracts us from yeah. Christ. So I think first
1: of all we got to say what it's not, and that is it's not a it's not a uh what's the right what's the best way to say this it's not a complete uh denial or an abhorrence of self to where you're uh masochist Mm -hmm. right where you're where you're i'm thinking of uh monkery right where Mm -hmm. you're totally uh sleeping on a bed of nails you're out in the cold naked like the monks used to do martin luther all calvin all those guys you know, yeah, they tried to deal with their sin by uh, by self mutilation, right? Mm-hmm. All right, and and the reason why I say that is because the Bible tells us to take care of us. We're, this is the temple of the Holy Spirit, First Corinthians six, right? So our bodies are to be cared for. First uh, Timothy four says what? Uh, Train yourself to godliness. Physical, physical training is of some value, mm-hmm. right? You know, so it doesn't deny that we should care for ourselves. I mean, the book of Proverbs talks all about uh, saving up money for, you know, personal care and, you know, wisdom and how we uh, eat and sleep and all of those things. And so the Bible teaches us uh, those things. So, you know, discernment and wisdom and personal care. I mean, that's just that's I mean, the Bible commands that. So we're not talking about hatred of our body. Right. That would Mm -hmm. be Gnostic. That's Gnostic thought, right? The body's evil. The body doesn't matter. It's just a spirit, so it doesn't matter what we eat, what we drink. Tomorrow we die. That's Gnostic thought, and that's not biblical thought. The Bible tells us to care for the temple of the Holy Spirit, to care for the body. We're made in the image of God. So whatever we say, we're not saying that, right? Because that would be extreme, radical, and unbiblical, Mm -hmm. right? To just just swing the pendulum out and say it doesn't matter. No, that's not at all. Christ didn't do that. We don't do that. Um, We we care for ourselves in in those ways. However, the question of pride often gets most surfaced and most clearly seen in our motives. Hmm. Not not necessarily in our duties, right? Hmm. That's Mm -hmm. why you can serve the Lord in your duty, Mm -hmm. but it's your pride that destroys the whole thing. Hmm. It's your motive. So I can care for my body. And it can be a glorious thing because I'm caring for my body because I want to serve Christ. Mm -hmm. I want to honor Christ. I want to show discipline for Christ. I want to, uh, for lack of a better word, show my trust in the Lord and serve the Lord and want to take care of myself so I can serve my family. and all Those things are all Mm God-honoring, right? Well, that's driven by more of a humble motive than a prideful motive. Mm -hmm. But if I'm caring for my body so that everybody looks at me, so everybody kind of praises me. So everybody talks about my arms, my abs, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right now, now, now we're in idolatry. Mm-hmm. We're in self-centered promote. You see how mm-hmm. the motive of the heart is really what drives so much of that. And so uh, you asked about you know caring for your body and all of that, and that's what it gets down to. And so you got to watch out for that. And that's you know pride is often killed and obviously seen in our motives, and that's what makes it hard, because obviously motives are are unseen, because they come from the heart, that's why the question of why is always so important, somebody asked me even on Sunday, one of our teenagers, and said, I'm really struggling with this, how do I know whether this is prideful, this is a teenager, and this young lady said, how do I, I'm struggling with this issue, I've been struggling with for a while, and pastor, how do I know whether or not it's prideful or not? And I said, "Well, ask yourself: Why are you struggling with it? Mm-hmm. Why do you want to do it? What is driving you in it?" And I think if you if you can discern that, if you can go there and assault your heart, because that's really the why always comes out of the heart. Mm-hmm. I said, "I think you'll find out really clearly what's going on there, and you'll see there's always pride. Oh, pride is always in everything we do, but is it really being driven by that? You know that will that will begin to show the answer, and then." here's, here's then what I told her, does your motive in whatever it is you're doing, she wasn't specific, but is your motive once you recognize what it's about, does that motive complement scripture? Meaning does it, does it coalesce? Does it, does it come together? Does it agree with scripture or does it contradict scripture? Mm -hmm. When it contradicts scripture, that's pride. When Mm -hmm. it comes together with scripture, that's not pride. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's huge. So yeah, but what I was getting at in the sermon that was really impacted me in my preparation and my own study was how we are so arrogant, we are so prideful, and all of us are, and this is the greatest issue. This is the greatest issue of the day. This is the greatest issue of our lives. This is the greatest problem we face is we are God. I mean, that's, uh, we follow in the footsteps of Satan. We. It's always been that. And so we have to deal with this issue in our hearts and... And it's sad, but it's true. And we're constantly having to kill it. And by God's grace, we can and we do. But what is fascinating to me in this is we are so prideful and so arrogant that we allow ourselves to become the block between us and the beauty of Christ. Mm -hmm. It's like Christ is there in all his beauty, meaning all of his majesty, his sufficiency, his enormity, his glory. There he is. There's no one like Christ. There's nothing better than Christ. There's nothing I need more than Christ. There he stands before us Mm. as revealed in Scripture, as seen through the cross, the resurrection, the ascension, and all that comes. There he stands. And who gets in the way of me basking in the glory of Christ? I do. I Mm. sit myself there. I I jump in front of Christ and say, look at me. Look at me. Mm. Protect me. Enjoy me. Mm -hmm. Exalt me. Mm -hmm. and there's the ultimate one standing
0: there that is crazy
1: that is the heartbeat of pride that's Mm -hmm. what we do all the time and when i get that image in my mind that helps me so much because i don't want to get here here's the thing i don't want to get in the way of christ because christ is all i right all i want and all i need Mm -hmm. and i don't want to get in the the way of christ because my greatest joy in life is pointing to Christ. Right. My greatest disappointment in life, think about it, my greatest disappointment in life is when I point to me, because here's why, I always disappoint myself, and I always disappoint everyone around mm-hmm. me. When I point to me, I can never do what I think I can do, mm-hmm. and when I have you, when I point You to me and Mm -hmm. say, buddy, come on, look at me. Guess what? I always disappoint you. (laughs) Wow. Yep. But when I point to Christ, Mm -hmm. he never disappoints you. He never disappoints me. Mm -hmm. And that brings me the greatest joy. Mm -hmm. You see how prideful and arrogant we are to jump in the way. Mm hmm. Now if you let me off a leash, I'll go longer. But see, you better you better pull me back. Uh, you know, I was you thinking about hit the shock collar. Come on, man, uh, hit it. You know, I was thinking pull about
0: is that at at the end of Scooby Doo they say, <laughs> well, let's let's see who the real killer is. <laughs> let, let's see who's really blocking you from seeing <laughs> yep. the beauty of Christ and pull it off. <laughs> and it's you. And it's you. Yep.
1: yep. <laughs> it's you. It's like Star Wars when he goes down in that pit and he's like fighting and he yeah and he sees his own face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, oh my yeah, goodness that oh man yeah well hit the, the shot caller man come on
0: bring me uh, yeah, back yeah yeah we got it we got it we got to end it here uh i will say though that uh ever since ever since we have gotten back from g3 your you you that fire has has been turned up just just slightly well just slightly I, I think i think it might have been the uh sixteen sermons in a 16 row. Sixteen sermons for a, in a row. For a preacher to sit under? No. It's yeah.
1: it's actually there's a there's a place that comes from
0: and that's the kindness of the Lord. So yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. I've I've thoroughly enjoyed it and I look forward to uh even more of it. So so uh we're gonna end here. Uh thank you all. this this was a, a successful uh <laughs> <laughs> They don't know yeah
1: With shoe strings and duct tape holding her together oh man
0: yeah definitely but
1: um, truth talks work day if you if you'd like to come and sign up and help us on the truth talks work day please <laughs> sign into <laughs> buddy's schedule
0: and see i can't do your job man well, well, I'm, this, I'm, uh, I, I'm i'm just, awful i'm just thankful this the try weekly <laughs> we tried this week so we, we, <laughs> we're able to do it but we got a schedule now we're, yeah
1: we're, we're coming back
0: yeah I actually have a, a a really good shirt to wear for Sunday sermon. Uh-oh. Uh, if you all see me on Sunday, you'll you'll see what what shirt I'm wearing. Uh-uh. Because I know I've I've read ahead through the text. You know the revealed will. <laughs> <laughs> I've read a little bit. I le- read a little bit further. You uh, should I know, do that more often. Yeah. it'll help. Oh, <laughs> it'll help you. It will it, learn you. Oh, it it'll learn me, but it <laughs> it's, it's also humbled me too because <laughs> I read through it. I'm like, oh man, he's. <laughs> jesus is about to he's about to pull out that whip yep. <laughs> and, and i'm like man so yeah i uh i have definitely been uh reading through there and uh it's it's good mark is a great book but uh i, I uh you know went through and highlighted e- e- immediately every single time oh, it was awesome. it was said but uh also yeah i've been reading ahead a little bit so I'm looking forward to this this sunday sermon and i'm gonna wear a shirt and uh just just for you just, I, just I, for you I look forward to seeing. And I'm sitting sit on on the front row, and I'm gonna be like, "Yep, look, look at my shirt, look at my shirt." Yeah, Uh, I'll look forward to that. Yeah. So, thank you all for tuning into the Truth Talks podcast. And uh, here is the Gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the Gospel of Jesus Christ. The biblical gospel starts with God. Out of nothing, God made everything, including you and me, to bring Himself much pleasure. His purpose for us as humanity was to love, obey, and enjoy Him perfectly. Instead of this, man has sinned against our loving creator and acted in rebellion. Since God is good and just, he must punish sin that deserves eternal, conscious punishment under God's wrath in hell. But God, being merciful, loving, and gracious, had a plan to punish sin, and so be a just judge, and yet forgive sinners, and so display mercy, By sending his own son, Jesus Christ, the co-equal and co-eternal son of God, to take on human flesh, fulfilling his perfect requirements in the place of sinners, loving, obeying, and enjoying him perfectly. Furthermore, Jesus bore the full wrath of God upon the cross, and he satisfied the eternal anger of God. Standing in a place of sinners, though he was himself perfectly sinless. God showed his acceptance of Christ's sacrifice by raising Jesus from the dead after three days in the grave. Now Jesus commands everyone, everywhere, to repent, turn from their sin, and believe, trust in him. This is the glorious transaction. God then charges Christ's perfection to the sinner, and no longer views him as an enemy, but instead an adopted son and daughters covered in the perfect righteousness of his son. We can now have peace with God and have eternal life with him forever. It's true for every person in every culture, in every place, in every language through all time. So our response to this good news is repentance and faith. Dear hearer, behold now is the accepted time. Behold now is the day of salvation. Turn from your sins. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and this day. Be reconciled to God. Thanks for tuning in through. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. If you have a question, please send them to the Podcast at gmail.com. Visit our Instagram and Twitter at thetruthtalkspodcast. And visit our website at bellcroftbiblechurch.org. Delighting in the word that we might walk in the truth.
1: A ministry of Bellcroft Bible Church.